Hey, I'm Brandon. And I'm Hannah, and we're the pastors at New Community Church. Yeah, and it's our hope that this message inspires you to take your next steps in your faith journey with Jesus. Thanks for joining us today, and enjoy the message. Welcome to week three of When People Collide, How to Repair Our Broken Relationships. And we felt like this was a good conversation to be having because we all have relationships in need of repair. And if you're thinking, I don't have one, you will. So we will have this resource available for you and you can listen to it when you need it. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Well said. There you go. Well, hey, uh, I just want to take a couple of minutes just to catch you up on the conversations that we've had and break down the breakdown that happens in our relationships. Um, see, God desired, he's going to be my Vanna, my Vanna White. And he's so pretty. I am. Thank you. <clears throat> so, yeah, God desires for us to live in right relationship. And right relationship is, is a life-giving, life-producing relationship. But whenever a breach of trust occurs, there in it creates a gap. And in that gap, there's pain, there's bitterness, there's anger. And that those feelings, they don't ever stay contained in that gap. Yeah, that's they, good. They always seep and they spill. They seep into our, per, into our perception. They seep into our decisions. And they, it seeps into our other relationships and even our relationship with God. So our break, broken relationships affect so much more than our broken relationship. Right. So this is why God cares about our relationships. And this is why God has shown us just different steps, different principles that we can take to help bring reconciliation and to bring healing. Now, we've been talking about how we can be on both sides. We can be the offender and we can be the offended. And both parties have to take steps in order for there to be reconciliation. But healing for me only has to be done. I only have to take certain steps for myself. My healing isn't contingent upon the other party being ready for to take recon, to be reconciled. That's good. That's right. And so, so reconciliation takes both parties, but healing only takes me. And so, uh, last week we talked about how God, uh, what God asks us to do to bring uh, when we are the offender to bring restitution. And this week we we want to talk about what our steps are when we are offended. That's right. It's perfect. And so um, we're going to get there. Before we do, I just want to ask a quick question. Uh, sh- just by a show of hands, who here has someone in your family who's just a little bit crazy? Just just a little crazy, just, yeah, nice and high. I have some of my family here, which I don't know if they're talking about me or what. It doesn't matter. Uh, so we are. We all know. There's we all multiple. know. Let's be honest. Okay. So <laughs> listen, listen. Uh, everyone's got them, right? Okay. So just keep your hand up. If, it, if that's you, if you got somebody who's crazy, just keep your hand up real quick. Just take note of the ones who don't have their hand raised right now. Can you just kind of look around, you know, because every family's got one. And so just, you know, you never know who you're sitting next to. It may be them. So, um, you know, just kind of, uh, we don't have any crazies. You know, if they have that kind of look, just we have multiple exit lanes for you. No, but we, um, we all got them, right? We've all got crazies. And we all, as families, we learn how to deal with our crazies a little differently. Um, and so definitely in my family, we have that. And one of the crazies I have in my family is my grandfather. Uh, he is um, just a crazy man, uh, and uh, and when I was growing up, the way we kind of dealt with my the craziness uh, was we just told lots of stories and kind of made them jokes. They were just jokes. Uh, we made a lot of jokes about my grandfather, a lot of jokes about his life. Honestly, he was in the middle of the joking. You know, he was right there in it. I mean, it was wide open, and it's kind of something that happened. And so um, that's just something I experienced 
growing up. And so uh, it was all my life. And, and just to give you a window into my grandfather's life, uh, my grandfather was married seven times. Yes, seven times. Uh, and my dad is the oldest child of the first, uh, the first wife. And so I was along uh, and around for a lot of the stories. And I was also around for a lot of the grandmothers, as strange as that sounds. But that's very true. Um, and, um, you know, I, I, it really wasn't, I would, you know, right or wrong, I'd say probably wrong. We just made jokes about it all. I mean, it was kind of the way we coped with what was going on. Uh, you know, who... Who knows what grandmother's going to be there this time? You know, you just never know. And so um, that was the way we joked, honestly. And uh, what really got never, was never spoken of or addressed was really some of the, um, some of the, the pain of his decisions, some of the, um, some of really the sin of what had taken place, the abuse that had happened. It was just all kind of, you know, covered in jokes and stories and laughter but all that changed um, about 11 years ago when my grandfather was imprisoned and he was convicted of a crime where the state declared he would never be allowed to be in the room with my children. And that was kind of the day that all the joking stopped. And my family was hurt and betrayed and angry. And it it really took me a few years. Uh, I'm not going to share all my story. I was very close with my grandfather. I loved him very dearly. Um, and it took me a long time to realize I was hurt and angry and betrayed. And uh, there's just something when you see your grandfather's face and your last name plastered all over the local news. It just, it just, it got to me. Um, I found myself for the next few years praying these prayers. I would pray, God, please don't make me like that man. And that is never a prayer you want to pray about your grandfather. Uh, I, what happened as a family is we just, you know, it, we were, as we said, we were betrayed. For me, it was very difficult. And, and there were um, years as, as our life moved on um, and he was in prison, there were just years where I realized that the, the anger, the betrayal I felt, the bitterness in me really was affecting more than just my broken trust with him. That it really was affecting me as a husband. It was affecting me as a dad. It was affecting me as a man. And who I thought being a man was supposed to be, what I thought that was supposed to look like, uh, it really affected me as a pastor because for his first uh, three wives, he was a pastor. Crazy, I know. Um, but it did something to me. And, you know, I, I'll be honest, really, it didn't just hurt me, it hurt us yeah. very much. And uh, I knew, I knew what God wanted me to do. I knew this step that I needed. You know the step. When you've been offended, what the step God asked you to take is. I knew and I knew that what God wanted so that I could be healed, and even though I didn't really necessarily want to, so that there could be a chance for reconciliation, I knew the step I had to take was forgiveness. But how do you forgive someone for something that's unforgivable? So Jesus tells us in Matthew, he says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father 
will also forgive you. And he goes on to say, but if you don't forgive other sins, your father will not forgive you of your sins. Mm -hmm. So here's the tension we feel right now. Jesus is telling us that forgiveness is our step for, to, for reconciliation, for healing. He tells us in numerous passages that we have to forgive. But we think about the offenses that we've experienced, and there's nothing within us that wants to forgive. We think, I don't even know how to forgive. And I just want to acknowledge, I mean, in this room, there have been experiences that we have, that we've uh, been a part of that are just heartbreaking. Yeah. And your pain is real pain. The statistics alone speak to this, but your pain is so much more than a statistic. Yeah. It's real. There are experiences we've, we've faced as kids or we've witnessed as kids, abuses and just, uh, just physical abuse, emotional abuse. It's just heartbreaking. Heartbreaking to us, but it's really, it's heartbreaking to God. Yeah. The sexual abuse statistics is horrifying. It's one in three women have experienced sexual abuse. So that's one to you. One to you. It's horrifying. And for men, it's one in five. It's not much better. That pain is in this room. Right. It's in this space. It's watching online. It's here. There are marriages that have experienced abuse, whether verbal or physical. There are marriages that have had betrayal that you're still carrying that pain. You cannot seem to heal. There are sibling relationships or maybe a friendship where you, they, they lied about you, and you don't know how you will ever trust again. Maybe, maybe you've, you've had a boss or a business partner or an employee that their actions didn't just hurt you, but they hurt your family, and you're still trying to recover from it. Yeah. Maybe your pain is from God. You, you know he's a good God. You know he's faithful, and you know that he could have fixed that situation, but he didn't, and you're upset. Or maybe your pain is from you. You know God's forgiven you, but you can't forgive yourself. And you just carry that guilt into every relationship you have. Mm. And as I was thinking about this, it kind of, like, a lot of us have probably tried to take steps to, to bring healing in our life, right? And I just got this picture of when you're vacuuming. You know, you have these, like, perfect straight lines, and then you come up on something that just will not be vacuumed up and won't suck up. And so you like you vacuum in this direction and then you go in this direction and then you, you bend over and you pick it up and you look at the piece of dirt, you put it back down and you just keep vacuuming over it, right? I did this yesterday. I mean, it's just within us. And I was thinking about this and I was like, you know, some of us, we've tried to deal with this pain. We've tried to heal from it. You know, we've gone to church, we've read our Bible, we've gone to counseling, but we're still carrying this pain. Is still there. And I just feel like uh, today is, is not really a question of, it's not, we don't have the question of to forgive. Really, our question is, is how do I forgive? Mm -hmm. What steps? How do I get there? How do I forgive in the middle of my pain, in the middle of the brokenness? Yeah. And so today, we just want to show you some simple steps that Jesus taught of how to forgive and how to walk through healing. And uh, I want to just do two asides real quick. And the first Go is we're not really talking about getting over it. 
You don't get over your pain. You know, I think about Jesus. God gave me this word this morning. When Jesus uh, rose from the dead, he still had his scars on his hands. They weren't gone. He just carried his posture a little differently. He carried his experience a little differently. And that's what we're talking about today. And I just want to let you know that we've been praying just over this word and over uh, just your heart. And we're praying that God's spirit will meet you today and walk you to a place where you can be transformed and healed. Yeah. Yeah. We, as Hannah said, we know real hurt. Your hurt is real hurt. And, um, but God can heal us. And I love that you brought up Jesus. I, I, I think these are moments, and when I think about my own experiences, this is when I'm so grateful for Jesus, uh, not just for his teaching, but that he lived a life and modeled a life uh, that we can follow. You know, St. Augustine said this. He said, Jesus, uh, or God never had a son, uh, or God had a son who was without sin, but he never had a son who was without suffering. Jesus understands suffering. Jesus understands pain and betrayal. And one of the most beautiful pictures of forgiveness is recorded in one of the most painful days of Jesus's life here on earth. And in that moment of pain and betrayal, he gives the most beautiful prayer of forgiveness recorded in the entire Bible. And I want us to go there and lean into this story to just allow Jesus to draw close to us in our pain. Luke records it, uh, and it's in Luke. His, uh, Luke is, wrote an eyewitness account of Jesus' life. And in the 23rd chapter, he's telling about the day that Jesus was crucified. And he says that Jesus was led with two other criminals up, uh, up to be executed. And then it says that when they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Luke gives us one sentence to capture this moment of betrayal and pain and incredible suffering that for you and I is so hard to relate to. Even if you've, maybe you've studied it yourself or you've read about these things or maybe you've watched a movie and some of them are are well done, but it's just so hard to really capture the pain that Jesus experienced in this one sentence. You know, on that day when he was crucified, he was led up uh, by the Romans. It was the Romans who did the crucifixion, and he was led with the criminals because this was a punishment and execution that was reserved for only the, the worst of the worst of the criminals because it was the most expensive form of execution for the Romans. And in other words, they, they had to really know it was worth it, and it wasn't just about pain. It really was about heaping shame on the person. It was about heaping abuse and just and, and pouring over them that shame and, and that, that, that humiliation. Jesus, he was first, if you know the story, he was beat before he was crucified. He was beat so bad that he was unrecognizable. His face no longer looked like a human face. And on his brow, he had thorns that were pressed in. If you've ever been cut on the brow, you know that it bleeds a lot. And so his face was not only deformed and swollen, but he was covered in blood. It was dripping down. 
it was in this kind of posture too that they didn't just beat him, but they actually took a whip and it had shards of glass in the tail and it had uh, stones in the tail and they whipped his back so many times that the back was exposed, most likely so that you could even see some of the external organs being exposed. He was so mutilated. Literally, Luke records that as he walked to this place called the skull, people in the crowds just weeped. Then we know the story that he was nailed through the hands and then nailed through the feet. But really, that was only the beginning of the pain. Because in this position, the way they nailed him, it really wasn't the pain. It was about the suffocation. You were hung in such a way that you could not get breath. And so you had to push up on the spikes in your feet. You had to pull up on the spikes in your hands just to get a breath, just enough to let your lungs expand to then collapse. And then the whole process started over and over. For many people who went through crucifixion, they literally went crazy in this process. You did not just die from pain. You died from the suffocation and a lack of oxygen. And in movies, a lot of times we'll see him where his feet were three feet off the ground maybe, or, you know, he's, he's way up here. But reality is we know that many of them, and probably Jesus was, he was crucified only six inches off the ground. That When they stood that cross into the ground, he was there, he was hanging low and he was hung at that level so that he could be eye level with people as they came up and they mocked him. As people came up to this naked, suffering man, and they began to mock him. They began to mock Jesus, make fun of who he was. They began to spit literally into the claims of who he said. You say you're the son of God. You say you're the king of the Jews. You've done all these miracles. Why don't you save yourself? The creation was mocking the creator in the flesh. And in that moment of betrayal, in that moment of pain, Jesus utters these words that are otherworldly, never seen before kind of love and mercy when he says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. It's beautiful that he doesn't even attack who they are. He just addresses what they're doing. Jesus, in the moment of his pain, can offer this model of forgiveness. But how do we do that? How do we get to a place where in our space of pain, we can forgive like he did? Today, we want to give you just two thoughts, and it comes from Scripture. They're simple thoughts, really, but I believe they are thoughts that, that they're, they're not easy to do, but as you draw near to God, as you invite him into your space of pain and you'll follow him in these places, I believe God will bring healing to your heart. And that's what we want to talk about. So I'm going to let Hannah kind of lead us in this first thought on how do we actually forgive like Jesus forgave. So the first one is pray for those who hurt you. Jesus says in Luke, bless those who curse you and pray for those who hurt you. Listen, this is what Jesus said. He said, pray for those who hurt you. Repeat that with me. Pray Pray for for those those who hurt you. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're anything like me, you're thinking, okay, I'll pray for them. God, give them hemorrhoids. (laughs) God, give them the worst case of hemorrhoids. Let it be like one of the ten plagues. Ooh, I name it and I claim it in Jesus' name. No, Lord. (laughs) Don't get on my bad side. I know, I know. Hey, no. But really... 
God told us, Jesus told us we need to pray for them. And he goes on to say in Matthew, he says, you've heard the law says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Now, when Jesus' listeners heard this, they're thinking, what? Love my enemies? Listen, the Romans worship the God of revenge. You hurt me, I hurt you times ten. The Jewish law said eye for eye, tooth for tooth, blood for blood. You hurt me, I hurt you. You steal from me, I'll steal from you. I feel like I'm describing my kids right now, you know? This is the <laughs> fight I break up every single day. It's like it's naturally within us. And Jesus says, no, no, no. Love them. Love the man that hurt your family, betrayed your husband. Love the man that, be- that just had a life of objectifying women. Pray for him. Does someone hurt you? God says pray for them. Do they abuse you? Pray for them. Did they lie about you? You pray for them. You pray for them. Now, I don't know all the reasons why Jesus tells us to pray. But one I am pretty sure of is a right attitude always precedes right action. Right. I, I have to get my heart right before I can do the right thing. And if we are waiting for the, magi- like the magical moment till we're ready to forgive, we may not ever get there. Some of our experiences, we don't know how we will ever get there. But prayer is a beautiful thing. Because really, like our prayer for that person, it may not ever change them, but it will change you. Beautiful. And prayer invites Jesus into the conversation. It invites him into the conversation in our mind. It invites him into the conversation of our emotions and in our pain. And it's in those prayers that we begin to see our offender the same way that Jesus sees us. And the same way Jesus sees them. Beautiful. Yeah, and I think for me and my story, it, I wasn't ready to forgive my grandfather um, for many years. And uh, I just began, though, because of this turmoil, and I recognized it was affecting more of me, I knew I could start by praying. So that's what I did. I just began praying for him. And um, honestly, they were just honest. They were angry prayers. <laughs> they were. They were um, Give him hemorrhoids. Not, not quite that angry, but, you know, <laughs> they were prayers that were, um, uh, you know, God, I prayed that he would, you know, in his loneliness, it would be so hard that he would just repent. God, I pray, like, he, he would just feel the full weight of what he's done. Um, uh, you know, it's like psalm prayers, right? You can pray that sometimes. But, you know, what happened, as Hannah said, prayer for the other person doesn't always change you or pr- change them, but it will always change you. And that's what began to happen in my heart, as I was praying, um, I began to pray some prayers for him that were more like, God, I, I do pray that you would touch him and that he would experience your love because he's been searching for love all his life. Yeah. I pray that you would come and that you would actually show mercy to him, that he could find light in the dark places of his heart. And um, that's kind of how my prayers began. And it really did prepare me to take a step of forgiving him. 
But how do you do that? What does it look like? We just want to take a moment, this second point, just to say, how do you really forgive? And here it is. First, after you've prayed for them, you forgive someone as you have been forgiven. The Apostle Paul, he wrote in Colossians and he said, bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Just say that with me. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And I don't know about you, but I have been forgiven of so much. Before I was a Jesus follower, I lied. I had addictions. I, um, man, I had a secret life that I didn't let anyone know about. I, I had some things that were just dirty and, and nasty, and they, were, they, they spilled into everything about who I was. And then I met Jesus, and can I be honest with you? After I began following Jesus, I still battled. There was a season where I still battled with my addictions. I still, I still lied. I still wrestled with self-centeredness. Can I be honest with you? I still wrestle with being self-centered. Uh, that's why you have kids, so that gets work out of you. You know, that's, uh, that I, I, I still wrestle with jealousy, with envy. I still wrestle with anger. And yet God has given his son Jesus to pay completely for all of my sin. The beautiful thing about the forgiveness that I've received through Jesus is that it doesn't just cover my sins in my past, but it covers everything in my now. It covers everything in my future. It doesn't just cover the wrong I've done. It covers the consequence of the wrong decisions I make. Does that make sense? In other words, the aftermath, the wounding, the, the, that's what the forgiveness of God, it is in one word, complete. It's whole. God forgives us completely in a moment. And any time that we turn to Jesus and we ask for that forgiveness, that kind of complete whole forgiveness is what we receive. Forgive as you have been forgiven. What's incredible with Jesus is that that can happen for us in a moment. But when it comes to me forgiving another person, it's rarely a one-moment kind of experience. When it comes to our forgiveness, I, I really believe that our forgiveness is in process. It's a process. And the reason is, is because I'm in process and you're in process, and, and life is in process, and often we cannot see the full way or the, the full breadth of the wrong that's been done to us or the wounding that's happened to us in one moment. In other words, it wasn't until I had a four-year-old, my firstborn was four years old, and, and that was the age my dad was when my grandfather walked out on their family. And when you have a four-year-old, that just changes that story a little bit. And, and for me, it, it, it helped me realize that there was some wounding I was still carrying. There's some things our family walked through because of that and that I grew up with and had in my life. And I had to choose in that moment. I had already forgiven him for some things, but in that moment, I had to come to a moment and say, man, I forgive you for this. Does that make sense? 
That kind of made, there was a, I said my grandfather was a pastor. Well, when we started this church, there were some things about being a pastor and carrying that, that calling with integrity and with humility that, that my grandfather honestly did not do well. And, and it wasn't until I was in this space and this season that I was brought to a moment where I realized, man, you betrayed a calling that is on my life. And I had to come to a moment of forgiving him there because I'm in process. And so if I'm going to forgive like I've been forgiven, if I'm going to forgive completely, I really have to do what Jesus said, not just forgive one time, not even forgive seven times, but maybe it looks a little bit more like 70 times, seven times. I'm going to forgive someone because I'm going to be in process walking. Does that help you? I hope some of you, for some of you that helps because I, I know sometimes I felt guilty and maybe you felt that, man, I guess I just... I guess I just haven't done it. I guess I'm not saying, I'm not saying something right. I still feel this way. There's, I, it still flares up in me. And yet I really believe it's really a grace of God. Aren't you grateful? He doesn't just unload all that to you. <laughs> By the way, here's the full weight of that choice that, and how it burdens your life. You know, like that, that's not what God does. He allows us to forgive and process. And I think it's part of his grace. Yeah. Good? I hope that for you, forgiving as God forgives us, I, I, that kind of picture of, Walking in a process of completing your forgiveness, I hope it gives you some relief and some courage to really walk and take that first step of forgiving the one who's betrayed you. And that's what happened for me. Um, After praying for my grandfather, I ended up writing him some letters and uh, I came and sent them to prison. And, and I came to a, a moment where I felt like I needed to go see him. Only one person in our family had gone to visit him. A lot of, I mean, it was very difficult. His decision really was a hard line with our family. I felt like I needed to go. And I remember uh, driving to go see him in prison. And I remember the spot on the road um, in the woods. It was curvy and I was praying. That's always a really good decision. But anyways, um, God has the wheel. I mean, that's what Carrie Underwood says. So, um, Jesus. Jesus. Yeah. Thank Carrie. you. Um, but anyway, God, God, take the wheel. What a dad moment. Um, but I was praying, no joke. And I remember praying right there in that moment, God, I need to forgive him before I walk in there. And I remember praying these words and praying, and I'll tell you what I prayed, uh, not the exact prayer, but I forgave him for what he had done to wound me and wrong me. And say that again. I didn't forgive him for who he was. I forgave him for what he had done to wrong me, but also to wound me. And up to that moment, it was the things I knew, it was the things I had experienced. And so I prayed through that and I got there and um, I sat down in the waiting room. There weren't tables or anything, there were just chairs kind of spaced out. And he walks in from his side and sits down. And man, I wish I could tell you my grandfather just, just walked in and said, Brandon, I'm so sorry. Man, I, will you forgive me? I wish I could tell you he was repentant. But for the next 45 minutes, he just kind of blamed and explained his way through why he was where he was at. And he, he was angry. He was bitter. He had been waiting for years to tell somebody. <laughs> and... Um, he had perfected his story. You know what I mean? Like he had taken some time to, to work it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was a preacher. That's right. Yeah. So um, so anyways, we get to the end of 45 minutes and the whole time I'm listening. And like, what do you say in that moment? And the Lord just put it on my heart. And I looked my grandfather in the eye and I said, Granddaddy, I love you. 
and you will always be my grandfather. See, the beautiful thing about forgiveness is you can forgive someone for who they, what they've done and God can actually heal your heart and allow them to, to see them for who they are. And I said, I love you and you will always be my grandfather. And he reached out his hand and for the first time in my life, he held my hand and he just weeped. And it was about an hour, the rest of our time, him weeping, of him just sharing incredible words of appreciation, of affection with me. Just, um, it was incredible. And not every moment of forgiveness is like that. But because I forgave, I, I put us in a place where God could begin to even close the gap a little bit in that relationship and just for one more step to take place. And it was a few years later when I was officiating his funeral that I got to lead our family in a moment of forgiving him. I got to lead our family in a moment of honoring who he was, not for the things he had done, but for who God had placed him in our family to be. And I believe that's the beauty of what God can do when we choose to forgive. And we are hope. I mean, this series, it's, we know, it's simple principles. It's one word, but it's so challenging. But if you will draw near to God, I believe that the healing your heart longs for he has for you. In fact, the only, the, God's only prescription for your healing is forgiveness. And he loves you and he wants you not to walk with bitterness and that betrayal and that anger and that shame any longer. Thanks for joining us today. We hope that this message inspired you to take your next step in your faith journey with Jesus. Yeah, and we'd love to connect with you further. And the best way to do that is at our website, thenewcommunity.church, where you can connect to our small groups, find other resources, and even give to the work God's doing through New Community.